Welcome to issue 106 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at the most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Steve, and joining me tonight, as always, is Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Hello, Steve. I like that you said, as always, because I missed last week. That's right. Or is it next <laughs> week you're going to miss? Or is it next? No, it oh, was geez. last week. <laughs> no, it? Okay. It was um, a few weeks ago. Yes. What do you know about me next week? <laughs> well, I can't tell you, but Kang has given me some secrets. Yes. So, yeah. All right. Uh, and with us also <laughs> is Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, Steve. Oh, I can barely contain myself tonight. I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, right? We're talking all about Rhino. <laughs> why is why is Mike so excited? Steve? Mike is excited because we're going to talk about one of his favorite villains mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. our Shadow of the Past issue for Adam Warlock. Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. some guy named the Magoose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's what begins. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. Okay, what, did I, what did I call this thing? What did I call this thing in our forum? Well, this is my uh, my two thousand word essay entitled "What." Oh, you did have a nice title. This is your villain thesis. This is my yeah. villain thesis. This is my two thousand word thesis entitled "Prestige, Power, and Perms: Rise of the Magus." Mm. <laughs> Perms. Nice. Perms. Yeah, that's good. Steve, before he goes, though, <clears throat> I think you and I should talk about ourselves uh, and okay and we 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 did a cool thing with um card yeah. game cooperative we did you're right and i i, I guess that's a side scheme right definitely yeah it's yeah. a gang up and a side scheme all at the same time it's all yeah that was a great great thing and folks can find it at card game cooperative we did a lore of the rings episode one with um simon and james from them from that cast and it was a blast yeah, we talked a lot of lore for the uh, core mm. set and the opening scenario for Lord of the Rings LCG. Uh, mostly lore. It was just, yeah, I had a good time. It was really good. I- I'm looking forward to part two. Mm-hmm. All right, back to you, Mike. Sorry. No, that, that's cool. I actually don't know what you guys did. I need. Oh, to Mike, to you should it. listen to it. I think you'd like it a lot. I, I've kept completely hands off this so I can just go in cold. Yep. Yeah, it, it has released, especially at this point. Uh, you can just kind of yep. search there podcast feed or their webpage, the card game cooperative. Awesome guys. All right. Drop yourselves in listeners. This is going to be a long one. I present to you prestige power and perms by now. I think it's safe to spoil that the Magus is a future incarnation of Adam Warlock. What? Sorry, for those, <gasps> yep, sorry for those who didn't know that, but it's a 50 year old spoiler. Also Darth Vader's Luke, fa- Luke's father. Oh, come right. on. Now, now you've gone too far. Yeah. yeah. So fellows, Fellow villains, I would ask you to indulge a small digression, humbly asking your permission, can I talk about a hero's backstory? Absolutely but only not. because it is also the Magus's backstory. Man, uh, Steve, Steve, what maybe, do you think? Let's put our heads together here. I don't know. I mean, if it has a suitable quantity of bananas, I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah, there better be bananas, I don't know. Mike. No, no, no. So you guys remember the survey from episode 100? A lot yeah. of our listeners like the bananas. In fact, 18% of them do. 
But we also have to cater to the listeners that voted for fewer bananas. So oh. bear with me on this one. We're going to keep it serious. Okay? Oh. Just just once. Just for once. Just keep them happy, right? So Everyone wait, cool? serious, heroic, and no bananas. Yep. All right. Ooh. Season three, folks. Season three, or volume three, it's just totally different than the other two volumes, I guess. There you go. I guess. Okay. All right. We're like serious journalists now. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Adam Warlock was born from a cocoon. You said no bananas. True. This this comes straight from the mouth of the great chronicler Sphincter from Strange Tales number 178, published in 1975. All right. I have to stop you right now. (laughs) I mean, you didn't get very far in your no bananas story. And you talked about cocoons and sphincters. Uh, Yeah. There's a... Just... um, is there any art of the sphincter? Okay, it's actually Sphinx X O R, but I'm pretty sure that's Cree for sphincter or something. Man, I really hope that we get the sphincter as one of those modular sets at the back of a villain <laughs> a hero pack now. So, I Pete, you've been replaced. He's um, not a watcher, but he seems like one of those characters that introduces some of these stories. Yeah, that's what he does. He's he's writing about a guy that was born from a cocoon. I am the sphincter. All right. So we're, what, like 20 words in? Yeah, I didn't think I would last too long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the cocoon was created by four mad scientists, because all the best scientists are mad, in order to create the perfect man of the future. Now, I don't know who these scientists were, but it doesn't matter, because Adam Warlock kills them and blows up the lab, like a real hero, right? Apparently, he can look into men's souls, and he saw that they really just wanted to use him to rule the galaxy. So since oh. one bad turn deserves another, kaboom. Okay. Now, according to the artwork, Warlock burst from his cocoon as a full-grown male. I mean, duh. But he is still new to this world, so he's got to figure out who he is and what he stands for. And that's going to take some time. So he gets into trouble, like blowing up his birthplace. He ends up in numerous fights, even against those so-called heroes. He's like a teenager trying to find himself, but he's also got these insane mystic powers. Eventually, he's adopted by the High Evolutionary. You remember him, right? Yeah. Scarlet Rhodey introduced him in the backstory about Luminous. He's got this counter-Earth on the other side of the sun where we can't see it, and there he's creating some new life. He takes Adam in, and he sticks the soul gem in his forehead, because that's a good idea. I talked a bit about that in Gamora's backstory. The soul gem back then had this vampiric nature. It has the power to devour souls. And as time goes on, it gradually increases its hold over Adam Warlock, subtly encouraging him to unleash its power. Now, Daniel, will appreciate this. Like, I really want to set the stage here. Okay. I, want, I want to do this get into the villain's head thing. So we're going to start by getting into Warlock's head. Okay. I'm going to skip a lot of history, but at this point, basically, he's playing hero. His view of himself is that he is a protector. On many occasions, he will see someone in trouble and he will vow to protect them. However, on multiple occasions, he does this only to fail. The guy has the power of a god, but he repeatedly fails in his charge. One of those times, which I believe is the third time, is in the same issue as this backstory. A woman has crossed galaxies to find Adam Warlock, as she's heard of his great power, to plead for his help against an intergalactic threat known as the Universal Church of Truth. But when Adam finds her, she is being hunted down by zealots of the church. He vows to protect her and fights back against her pursuers, but quickly realizes that he's outmatched. He actually ends up fighting something that looks like the zealot in the card art, only it's red. 
you guys have that. We go through it later. The zealot on it. Imagine that thing is red. That's what he's fighting. It's, it's okay. huge. It's incredibly strong in this comic. And it's actually winning in this fight. So in order to take him down, Adam is forced to use the power of the soul gem, taking out the zealot, basically capturing the soul. And But one of the other pursuers manages you know, to get a pot shot off while he's doing this, and he kills the girl. So let's pause for a sec, because a lot just happened. First, he's failed once again. His vow lasted an entire 10 panels. <laughs> Second, because he thought he was going to lose the fight, he unleashed the soul gem. And this is a recurring theme. He doesn't want to use the soul gem, but he continually does because he continually needs its power. He relies on it. And he'll even do this after his eventual realization that the soul gem is slowly consuming his own soul. It's very utilitarian thinking you know, like, and justifies the means. He probably should have taken an ethics class somewhere along the way. Mm. But, I don't know. Would have been instead, helpful. He, it would have been helpful. Instead, he was out buying tights. So <laughs> he's used the soul gem. The woman's pursuers have successfully assassinated her and they vanish. Quoting now from the comic, our hero says, pity she didn't live long enough to let me know who they are. I must know more about these monsters before we meet again. So I've little choice. I must force the girl to tell me more. Adam's words, not mine. Adam, okay. not mine. At which point he uses the soul gem. Yes, again. Again, this is a page later to temporarily call her soul back into her body so that he can interrogate her. That's a pretty sketchy morality. Real heroic here. Oh, yeah. Heroic. Yep. What do you, what do you okay. think the first thing she says is, why have you brought me back to this cold life? Because of course she did. But he's, you know, he convinces her to speak, and she speaks of the Universal Church of Truth, and that its followers worship a deity known as the Magus. The teachings of the church are admirable. The universe should be a place of peace. Love thy neighbor, and all that. Of course, that love only extends to members of the church, as the universe should be purged of all non-believers. Oh, and don't ask questions, because to challenge church doctrine is heresy and punishable by death. At this point, we should thank our lucky stars that this is a fictional world. And not yeah, at all. I was going to say, I was going to say, can you imagine oh, living yeah. in a world where there are people like that who think like that? I know. No. that our, Living our natural tendency to define in-groups and out-groups? What the? Yeah. Insert crickets here, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) But ho, what's this? The girl vanishes in a flash, and Adam's mind is filled with the sultry voice of his terrible yet cosmically seductive arch-nemesis, conqueror of a thousand worlds, the Magus. The Magus taunts Adam Warlock, before revealing that he and Warlock are in fact one and the same. Warlock is doomed to become the Magus. Doomed! And with a fit of well-practiced maniacal laughter, Magus exits Warlock's mind, leaving him alone with his inner demons. Isn't this awesome? So wait, I, this is good. How, how does this work, though? Work? Like, how, well, how is Warlock bananas. supposed to be the Magus? <laughs> okay. We're I'm, sure you'll get, I'm sure you'll get to We're how he becomes there. the Magus. Okay. I mean, that's, that's the point. We're not doing Adam's backstory. We're doing this guy's right, backstory. Right, Understood. right. Understood. Right, right. It's all kind of the thing. Okay. Let's, uh, let's jump now to... Warlock issue number nine, published in 1975. Adam's mental state is deteriorating. He's got cosmic powers, a toxic desire to do good at all costs, a soul gem that's trying to corrupt him, and the knowledge that he will become the most dangerously attractive being in the galaxy. (laughs) Magus is absolutely loving this because Adam doesn't know when or how the transition will occur, but the Magus does. So he plays with him a while, 
sets things in motion, makes sure that Morlock will follow down the exact path that leads him to becoming the superior version. Or in the words of the great Magus, I am the butterfly this golden caterpillar before you shall soon metamorphose into. So when the time is ripe, the Magus allows himself to be caught. Warlock has just escaped a trap set by the Universal Church of Truth, and in doing so discovers where the Magus has been hiding and confronts him. Warlock attacks, but the Magus unleashes a burst of radiation from his own soul gem that saturates Warlock's body. It doesn't hurt Warlock. Apparently it's not that kind of radiation or something. Whatever. But it does act as a beacon. This is a beacon that summons the in-betweener. We have a card with that guy on it. Now, Warlock tries to escape, but he can't, because in-betweener is basically locked onto him. He touches Adam Warlock, instantly transporting him to the in-betweener's chaotic domain that lies somewhere between time and space. There, Adam floats for centuries, not doing anything, unable to do anything, except exist. He is alone with his madness, his thoughts, his failures. He hears the powers of order and chaos whispering to him. He comes to the inevitable conclusion that good and evil are simply constructs created by humanity in order to control humanity. He reasons that the great division is not right versus wrong, but purpose versus death. These truths eat away at his mind as the years tick by. Eventually, he spins a cocoon around himself, penetrated only by the whispers, century after century, which in time become truths, until finally he bursts forth from the cocoon, reborn, and no longer is he the weak-willed hero with golden locks, for he has metamorphosed into that champion of life, the avatar of allurement, the paragon of power, the pinnacle of attractiveness, the all-around being of immense power, and Afro, the Magus. Okay, the Afro thing's weird. It was the 70s kind of a thing. Uh, the retcon version is much cooler, with those white swan locks and the eyes that burn like the sun. Like, you know that. You have the cards. I have a... I'm glad they retconned this guy. I have a subtle issue with the only difference from the good and the bad Magus being the African-American hairstyle. <laughs> glad they grew up. Yeah. Okay. But this, this yeah, they're supposed to just give him a goatee, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's really how you just differentiate good and evil. <laughs> anyway. I thought it was the long, thin mustache. Okay. Uh, they turned yeah, the, the evil version of your twin always has a goatee. Yeah. Always. I must be the evil version. You are. Somewhere <laughs> there's a good Steve. <laughs> yeah, clean shaven. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm on the right show, so we're good. Mm-hmm. I thought that's why you had the goatee. Yeah. Continue. Sorry, Mike. Keep going. Okay, no, no, this is great. This is great. Okay. So here's the thing. He finds himself not centuries in the future, but millennia in the past. 5,000 years to be exact. At first, he passes the time conquering world after world. You know, just thing to do. Like you. Yeah. He sets himself up as a god. He's got mystic powers. Sure. And since all gods need a church, creates the universal church of truth. His church gradually expands throughout the galaxy. And whenever his zealots encounter a new planet, they give him the, them the option. Submit to the Great Magus, or open yourself up to purification. At one point, the Magus just he laughs this off. Like, my church preaches love and peace, but destroys planets that actually practice love and peace. So remember, he's beyond good and evil at this point. Like, his mantra is purpose or death. His actions are him simply living to his full potential. Like, he is living to the fullness of his purpose. That is what he does. Awesome. Of course, being stuck in the past, he's got a conundrum because having full nine knowledge of his timeline, 
he knows that he's responsible for his own creation. So he needs to set up a precise series of events to ensure that that actually happens. So step one, we're not doing the door thing. Well, wait, oh, his, crea- his creation as... At, he, it's 5,000 years in the past. So Adam Warlock has to become the Magus, and he has to ensure... So in 5,000 years, he has to make sure Adam Warlock comes out of a cocoon again? Uh, he has to make sure that Adam gets hit with the radiation to summon the in-betweener to become the Magus. And every time I think of it, that nearly drives me wild. Because now I have become the strangest case you ever saw. As husband of my grandmother, I am my own grandpa. Oh, I'm my own grandpa. But he has to still make sure that Adam Warlock gets born out of a cocoon first. Yeah, apparently not. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Well, S- we're silly, silly me. Never mind. Yeah. Rules of Marvel time travel. Uh, go back and listen to the <laughs> Kang episode because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're not doing the dwarf thing for step one. That, that was volume two, guys. This is volume three. Right. Step one is hunt down. Now. Yeah, serious. Yeah. Hunt down an unbeliever but instruct his zealots to corral her towards the world where he knows Adam will be. Because of course he does. He was him. For some reason, he's got a perfect memory of everywhere he's been that's lasted throughout centuries of madness. Millennia. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he knows where he's going to be. So that meeting and his subsequent failure to save the unbeliever, which I detailed earlier, was the seed from which this genius plan would blossom. Wow. Step two is make psychic contact with Adam. Invoke that state of madness. Oh, you'll become me. And then just sit back and watch the madness percolate. And step three, when the hour is nigh, let Adam discover the Magus's whereabouts, set up the confrontation, and then use the soul gem to signal the in-betweener. With these steps complete, the Magus can ensure his own survival and then continue on, continuing on. Of course, so this that's is not. just a 5,000-year cycle he's through? He goes through? That's what he's hoping. That's what he's okay. hoping. That's he, what wants he's hoping. To, he wants to continue because after this happens, once he's ensured that this can happen, then he's beaten the cycle and he can continue on. So does he like miss the opportunity to become an Egyptian pharaoh? Apparently, well, he, he doesn't time travel like Kang does. He kind of accidentally time travels because that's where the in-betweener. Yeah, but if he ends up 5,000 years ago, like you'd think that he'd sort of naturally gravitate to, you know, being a pharaoh. This is the Magus, Daniel. He's not not worried about some pathetic planet called Earth. This guy actually is a god. He's taken over half the galaxy at this point. All right, all right. Okay. But unfortunately, he gets thwarted. Adam Warlock is saved. Do you know who saves him? Um, Please please say Iron Man, just so Daniel can go crazy. (laughs) Of course it's not Iron Man. It's it's Star-Lord. Gamora? No, not not even close. Not even close. Thanos. You there, there you go. Okay. You really think an actual hero could, could do that? Thanos. Magus's nemesis is Thanos. Why? Because Thanos is courting death. He's the avatar of death. Magus is the champion of life. Life under his rule, but life nonetheless. Okay. Thanos. Okay. Thanos is scared of the Magus. He knows he is no match for him. So he hits him where he's weak, and that's Adam Warlock. He essentially saves Adam from getting captured by the Inbetweener, thus erasing the Magus from existence. And that's the last we ever see of him. 
no, no, no. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Marvel. No, there's time uh, shenanigans. He comes back. At one point, the Universal Church of Truth uses the power of their belief engines to resurrect him from a new cocoon. No, he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with. He's not going anywhere exactly as it should be. Wow. There you have it, gentlemen. That was 2,000 words? Oh, yeah. Oh. Eh, give or take. That seems shorter than a Mustafa intro. <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 I can't compete with that dissertation. <laughs> that was um, a very interesting backstory, though. I loved it. I like it's, it, yeah. It's a little freaky deaky, though. Yeah. Quite. It's it's a mind warper. Yeah, I like the back to the future aspect of it, right? Like, yeah. he has to do this so he can do this. Like, how, when did it really start? All that kind of stuff. It's cool. Yeah. And you've heard my stories before. Like, I, I rag on these old comics a lot. This series was really, really good. They really get into how broken adam warlock feels now he has no idea who he's supposed to be he wasn't even born properly he knows he's going to be this villain his mind is just going nuts he's constantly using this soul gem he doesn't want to but he he wants to at the same time he just doesn't know what he's doing and it it's superbly done superb for 1970s yeah, yeah. awesome sounded good okay. so ha, you're is... awestruck <laughs> totally totally awestruck no other way to put it yeah, I think uh, it's perfect, too, that the Magus is Adam Warlock's nemesis in this game. I don't know how they could have done anything else. <laughs> <laughs> they really couldn't. Have. I guess they could have done Thanos, but it just wouldn't be appropriate. Cause... In the Thanos box? <laughs> yeah, it, the Thanos box for one, but it's kind of like the the Venom thing, where the Venom nemesis is his own symbiote. I feel like that's just a better nemesis. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait to talk about these cards. But yeah, thank you for the story, Mike. Yeah, I think the bar has been set pretty high, Daniel. I, You guys knew I wouldn't skimp on that one. I was surprised how little you talked about his hair. Well, I, you know, the swan locks. I mentioned the swan locks. I mean, you've been talking about his hair for the last couple of weeks, but yeah. Well, I, I so, had to. I had to come at you sideways. Yeah. It, you guys should look up an image of him from the '70s. He looks like a WWF wrestler. The crazy white afro. He's got a lightning bolt on his outfit and these weird, I don't know, cape things. He's yeah. like the Skeletor belt from He-Man. Yeah. 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 It's yep. really bad. It's bad. I'll yeah. share it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> why don't we look well, at some of these cards? I, yeah, I'm excited yeah, to talk good. about him because, geez, the backstory makes sense. All right, so we are going to look at Adam Warlock's Nemesis. You can find this in the Mad Titan Shadows box. Six total cards, which includes the obligation, five by title. Daniel, why don't you start us off with the obligation? I will. It is Regeneration Cycle. Give to the Adam Warlock player. You may flip to Alter Ego. Choose. Exhaust your Alter Ego. Remove this obligation from the game. Or discard the top five cards of your deck. Place one threat on the main scheme for each different aspect discarded this way. Discard this obligation. Two boost icons. Yeah. Kind of back to run of the mill. 
It is. I in solo this can hurt. I don't think it's quite that bad in multiplayer because Adam does like to run his deck out. He gets benefits for doing so. Yeah, it, I mean it does play into speeding through his deck if you can handle that threat. The second option, you know, m- might only put three on um, because you do have every aspect in there but you could hit basic cards or add a warlock cards so you're not putting a full threat on if you chose that second option right, yeah. but, but if it's coming out at the wrong time like you can't make that choice yeah you have right? to like flip. if you're if you were like four away from flipping the the scheme yeah like right you're not gonna so, want to do that so there's a zero to four you know like swing on this right so at what point is it a problem Four threat? Yeah, you're probably not revealing four cards that are different. You might, but what about three? What about two? <laughs> well, I yeah, I think it's. I like the only reason I like this one is that it's 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 going to be so different every time it gets drawn. Yeah, like the situations to be so fluid. Uh, yeah, I mean, usually, like I think, oh, you just exhaust your alter ego, get done with it. Um, but yeah, you could be sitting where it's like, well, we've got. 15 more threat before the scheme flips so i'll just take number two so but it could it also could be one of those situations where it helps you because you flip over and his alter ego lets you clear uh status cards so if you happen to be stunned or confused you're like oh i can flip clear my status card flip back so yeah yeah Yeah. okay yeah that's all right it's not a bad breaker yeah but it's it's on theme i like it Mm. but now mike now the man of the hour. Man of the oh, I was going to say that. Oh, I love how we're in six, Steve. <laughs> maybe are, are you maybe one of us. Yeah, maybe I'm out of think Steve, the Steve is the future, Mike. Yeah, probably. You He's have a little, little more evil. You have this hair to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, the the Magus's future is uh, just him being old and his <laughs> hair falling out. <laughs> now, now I feel bad. Wow, that was kind of hurtful. Well, I'm already turning into a more evil version. This is fantastic. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Next week he's going to have a goatee, Steve. Just count <laughs> All right, two scheme, two attack. The Magus is an elite mystic with five hit points. He has quick strike. He has toughness. Forced response. After the Magnus activates against you, discard the top five cards of your deck. Two boost icons. So there, there he is. Five cards off the top of your deck, which is going to happen. It's going to happen. Right. Yeah, he has quick. He has quick strike, so he comes out and he does his thing. So his thing triggers, which is what we always want to see. And his yep. thing triggering probably messes with Adam Warlock some because a lot of the decks seem to, you know, dig through his deck. Then again, he has that card that lets you go back into your discard pile. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing until this forces your deck to recycle. And we'll see yeah. why in a moment. Yeah. Like, Adam really wants a large discard pile. He does not want that back in his deck. So, is this the is this the strongest nemesis? Uh, I don't think so. Like, what do you mean by strongest? Uh, what do you mean well, by like, strong? It seems like he is the the best nemesis we've got, from a villain point of view. Quick strike, toughness, two and two, five health. Like, he's legit. Yeah, I think Who's, he's leg- legit. No, I don't know if... He's You're the surprised? Best. No, I mean it makes sense with your story, Mike. You call him a god, right? Yeah. Like, I who is who is harder to take down than this guy from a nemesis as a 
a hero nemesis. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to remember which nemeses are out there. I mean... As opposed to the, the modular sets that I play against. Right, right, right. I mean, Loki is always the one that keeps coming back, right? Because you can't keep him down. Well, we all know Avalanche is pretty pretty potent. Yeah. With his insight too, and his when revealed, where everybody has to take two indirect damage or get exhausted, so that's pretty good. Um, Zemo also has quick strike with a three attack and five health, so that's not bad. And if he's out, you can't thwart. So, okay. Yeah. This guy's going to take a few hits to bring down. I I'm mean, looking you, you at know, the... Yeah, with the toughness? Yep. That's yeah, nice. our main complaint about these nemeses is that they show up and die before they do their cool stuff. I don't, and he's yeah. not going to do that. He might do his cool thing twice, which is unheard of. Unheard of, yeah. Unheard of. I'm looking at that forest response and thinking that might be more troublesome for the guys playing alongside Adam Warlock. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty pretty potent in what the what we consider the way we like our minions to be. When when we make our top 10 list of, you know, hardest nemesis, this guy's going to be high up on my list, I guarantee it. Yeah. Uh we haven't talked about Living Laser. He has quick strike also with piercing, so that's that's kind of neat. But I guess by then you probably have lost your toughness cuz it's later in the round. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, any of these ones that get to do their thing before you get a chance to retaliate against them is uh, yeah. they're, they're yeah. solid. Cool. He's great. Yeah, I like him. Well, there's he's got some other cards. Can I tell you about his side scheme? I, I, I hope yes. you do. Please. All right. The Universal Church of Truth is a side scheme. Forced response. After a player resets their deck, exhaust that player's identity and stun it. Oh. It has an acceleration icon. Two threat per player has a special boost. Reveal this card. Mm. Great effect. Great effect. Low on on threat points. Yeah, I believe the threat's a little low. Hey, but I I, I believe the forced response is pretty nice. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, especially like we just said, obligations making him discard cards. The nemesis is making him discard yeah. cards. He's discarding cards naturally. T- typically it feels like yeah you get exhausted and stun it we're seeing a lot of cards now that target the players that don't care about stun like this card stuns you oh but if you're already stunned do this other awful thing instead oh yeah yeah so even if you're being the justice player and you don't care about this no it might work it might matter yeah and so resetting your deck is when it runs out and you shuffle shuffle again so you're getting you get that extra encounter card your yep. identity gets exhausted, which could happen at an inopportune time as you go to, uh, well, oh man, what would be great for the villain is the player phase ends, you ready your hero, you draw your hand, which resets your deck, you exhaust. So now you can't defend. Yep. yep. And you're stunned, so you can't hit back for two rounds. Right. Because you're exhausted. Yeah. Now he can always flip over and clear it sort of thing, but he's got to flip. Yeah. He's got to got to do that sort of thing so which is probably why this only has two threat per player on it probably yeah um but, or, but it's coming it's coming out though boost card it's coming out so or maybe you're star lord and you're just playing with adam magus <laughs> and adam now magus. Uh, adam magus. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going into the encounter phase and you're you're flipped and or even better you've got a whole bunch of player of encounter cards in front of you this is out 
you flip the Magus, he attacks, he resets your deck, and now you have another card to deal with. Yeah. Wow. Well, and yeah, it, I like it. I like uh, it's connected here, so it's pretty good. But there are more cards in the set. More. Um, let me tell you about the Zealot of Truth. There are two of these in the set. It is a minion, one scheme, two attack, four health, mystic traded. This guy doesn't look like your standard mystic, really. Um, threat cannot be removed from the Universal Truth Church of Truth sign scheme. And a special boost effect, put him into play and engage with you. So I he's like attacking that. you. He's attacking you right then. Yep. Now, can someone tell me why he is essentially what I can, from what I can tell, a ninja turtle? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I was okay. going to say it too. Which one? Where's the red? Is that Raphael? I think it's Raphael, Raphael right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I didn't know that he was a member of that church. Well, he was the language. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Uh, All right. Now, is this art from the comic? I mean, I see a person's name on there. I didn't run across this. Like I said, the one that that I saw in the comic was big and red. It looked as beefy and... I mean, this guy's wearing red shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't... Yeah, it's... Yeah, the Ninja Turtle thing, like... I mean, someone in the art shop had to see that, right? That, like, yeah. Hey, hey, this is a Ninja Turtle. I, but, I'm uh, not complaining. Doesn't no, have a shell, great. but yeah, yeah. But like, you know, yeah, like the, the eye masks... Uh, well, remember that the Guardians had a lot of different runs, some more serious than others. One was very cartoonish. I haven't read them all. It could very easily have been inspiration for one of those runs. All right. Okay. But the guy himself is great. Yeah. I, I. And another reason probably that the threat is kind of low on the side scheme. Yeah. In practice, he hasn't come out with me. But that was solo. Okay. You know, when you're revealing fewer cards from the deck per mm-hmm. round. Sure. That would be really funny for a player. Now I want to do that. Yeah, I think about how this works with the next card that, Mike, you're going to oh, read. Oh, yeah. The Cosmic Inquisition. Well, it works yeah. with the previous card, too, though, because with that low threat, got to kill the Zealot first, right? Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. Like, the three, these three cards, the, the way they work in tandem together is fantastic. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Mike. I interrupted. So, you know, in Marvel, everything's better when it's cosmic. Oh, yeah. This is a Cosmic Inquisition. The best kind of Inquisition, let's be honest. I thought the Spanish Inquisition was the best kind. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Our chief weapon is surprise. Surprise and fear. Fear and surprise are two weapons. Our fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency. Our three weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope. Our four. No. (laughs) Amongst our weapons. Amongst our weaponry are such elements as fear. I'll come in again. <laughs> no one expects the comic Inquisition. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Mike. Uh, You'll never that, get through this card. Jeez. That was worthy. That was worthy. <laughs> <laughs> you are saved, my child. Oh, thank you. Insight 2. When revealed, if the Universal Church of Truth side scheme is in play, discard the top 10 cards of your deck. Isn't that awesome? Ooh. Oh, wait, there's yes. more. Yeah. Otherwise, search the encounter deck discard pile and set aside area for Universal Church of Truth and reveal it, shuffling the encounter deck and two boost icons. 
I have a few questions. Yeah. Well, actually, I have one question and one statement. Do you remember way back in the day, I was like, I hope they do more than Insight 1. <laughs> <laughs> remember I said, I was like, I was like, I feel like you could play with that, and I hope it's not always one. So good. I'm glad. That's my statement. My question, my question has to do with how would the side scheme be out of play, like in the set-aside area, if this is in the deck? Or is it future-proofing, kind of? I wonder if it is, because we've already gotten a card now that can take your nemesis out of this set and put it in the deck. Maybe there's going to be something that lets you... I mean, we've seen this in other games where you can pull cards out of the deck and throw them out of the game. Sure. So, Or when Shadow of the Past version 3 comes out and brings out the side scheme? Yep. Okay. Search right, 2, yeah. I think. Are there, are there cards that let you remove cards completely from the encounter deck and discard pile? I, I mean, we have the victory display. From the encounter yeah. deck, I don't know. From the hero deck, I yes. So I don't think so. It's got to be future-proofing for if somehow the players manage to remove Universal Church of Truth, right? Right. Now, one thing, there is a timing on Shadow of the Past where you put your nemesis out first, resolve the quick strike, that sort of thing. Then you put the side scheme out. Then you shuffle the other cards in. So if the oh. nemesis if the nemesis wanted to interact with the side scheme or somehow it would have to have this end set aside area because that side scheme would have would not have entered play yet when the nemesis is out but the, this nemesis isn't doing that right like if this when revealed right. effect was actually on the magus that would make sense because the side scheme hasn't entered play yet gotcha mm. but, okay well that brings up another point in that if you pull shadow of the past he quick strikes you, you discard the top five cards of your deck, potentially recycling your deck, and then the side scheme comes out. Right. So you might avoid that force response by being lucky. Right. Yeah, and a lot of people, you'll just shortcut because you know, okay, Nemesis, side scheme, shuffle these in, and off you go. But you you have to, res you should resolve the quick strike first, then move on. Yeah. Okay. And that would come up for things like a quick strike villainous villain would not have the other cards in the deck yet. So. Right. Yeah. But still, okay, Cosmic Inquisition by, it, by itself is great. Hey, you know who's a... I was thinking, is there a Cosmic... Is there, is there a villain with Quick Strike and Villainous? And I think there is. Isn't um, Blackjack O'Hare like that? Blackjack O'Hare has Quick Strike and Villainous. You are right. There he is. Yeah. That was totally just an excuse to say Black Money Brigade. I knew it was. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> Uh, but that is the case, though. He attacks first, you deal the encounter card, you resolve that attack, then you shuffle the rest of the cards into the encounter deck. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is a great set. It's fun. It is fun. Wow. And, I, and I saw it a lot because, hey, in Mad Titan Shadow, you get to pull a few cards out. The Magus came back a few times. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how all of these cards work together with the cohesive yes. theme. I feel like it affects. Adam Warlock, since he only has one of everything in his deck. So yeah. you could pitch some critical card and maybe uh, what's the card that lets you go into your discard pile? Quantum Magic. So you might not even have Quantum Magic in your hand, or that could be in the discard pile, so you can't go back into the discard pile to get the cards that this set just keeps forcing you to discard. Or if you're playing a multiplayer and your partner across the table draws these cards... They don't have a way to go back and recur their discard pile. They're just out yeah. of luck. 
right? You yeah. just pitched six of Iron Man's tech upgrades. Good luck, dude. You know what I mean? Which yeah. would be just fine. Right. Totally. It hurts when you lose your shawarma. um i'm giving i'm giving this one an a guys this is great i mean this one gets an a plus just for the art it's stellar art that's pretty cool looking even the ninja turtle oh because of the ninja turtle maybe maybe a cosmic ninja turtle that's right yeah yeah that's cool yeah i wonder uh the people the art on cosmic inquisition if any of those races or types of characters we'll see again, or if they're specific to something, just, that's a little beyond my lore at this point. Well, fellas, thank you for the discussion. Mike, thank you for the, the backstory. This is great. My pleasure. This is a wonderful nemesis set. I for agree. Sure. Well, Daniel, how do the people get a hold of us? Hey, do you have a twin with an evil goatee? Or do you have an <laughs> evil twin with a goatee? Send us a picture. You can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Wandering Took, and Big Foam Loaf. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Magus, take us out. The Magus. <laughs> the Magus, take us out. You remember me, even though I haven't happened yet. House. The Magoos take us out. <laughs> the Magoos take us out. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again.